What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Long Shots, VEASAN's premier golf betting podcast. Here's Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds, and Kelly Bidlin. Hello and welcome to VEASAN's Long Shots. It is Matt Brown. It is Wes Reynolds. It is Kelly Bidlin. This is the Zurich Classic edition of the show. And we're going to let you know a little bit of a different format here. Going to do a change up on the PGA Tour this week. A partnered up event. And I am not going to have as deep as a card. I'm not sure any of us are going to have as deep of a card as we normally would. And that's okay. You don't have to go at every one of these events Firing off very, very hard, but we're going to at least give you what we do have in the account, what we're going to have on our betting card this week before we get started. As always, if you want to hit the pause button, go down below, give us a five-star rating. That does help us out, climb up the charts. More people find this thing, and hopefully more people can make some more money because another outright hit here on the podcast. Thank you, Jordan Spieth, for uh, lipping out in the playoff, and Wes Reynolds gets home with Matt Fitzpatrick. Last week, Jordan thought he won it. The guy in the stands, they show the replay. The guy in the stands, <laughs> stands thought he won it. He stands up, he's losing his mind, and then he surrender Cobras. It was absolutely, it was absolutely fantastic. Wes, congrats, buddy, on another outright hit. Thank you, guys, and uh, thank Matt Fitzpatrick for stiffing that to within one foot <laughs> on the third playoff hole. Just a, a beautiful shot. The funniest, like, little screen cap was, I think it was on the Sky Sports telecast, and Billy Foster, his caddy, just, like, looks at the camera and has this, like, look on his face, like, okay, watch this. <laughs> and that's what Matt Fitzpatrick did. He almost nailed it in the hole. So, hung in there. I didn't know if he was going to be able to follow a 63 on Saturday, but able to hang in there and win at his uh, boyhood vacation spot down in Hilton Head. You know, Kelly, uh, I said I was I was wondering if if I needed to redo my model for that tournament, if I needed to figure out, you know, something different. Actually, what I talked about a little bit with, with Wes yesterday is I might actually have to recalibrate how I look at Matt Fitzpatrick, too, because if they told me the winning score of that tournament was 17 under, he would mm-hmm. never have come to he would never have come to mind for me as someone who's going to win that tournament in a shootout with all those guys that were, you know, that are in that tournament and all of the big names and 17 under getting it done. He would not have been the guy that I would have picked there, obviously. So I might need to start looking at old Matt Fitzpatrick a little bit differently here. He's not just a grinder. He can go win these tournaments when uh, the scores go low. Yeah, I had that same thought on Sunday. He was a guy that kind of I just left off my card. Um, and you know, Wes made me consider him a lot harder. I knew he was playing him. Uh, I ended up just leaving him off 
and was kind of angry about it, you know, then obviously watching him on Saturday and Sunday, but then kind of had the same thought you just brought up where I'm like, you know what? I'm angry about it all I want, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made the bet if I knew these guys were going to be scoring this low. I was, if I knew that ahead of time, I definitely would have bet, wouldn't have bet Fitzpatrick. So I'm, I'm with you. I think, yeah, I, I, I was a statement win for him. I'm not going to say as, as obviously not as much as, as winning a major, but I think for what we're talking about, for what we're, what events we will actually look at him seriously at, it's kind of a game changer. Like you're, like you're just saying, right. If we, we now know he can go out and win in those type with those types of fields. And then with those low, that low of scoring, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I think we need to rethink him a little bit more. This week, we do head down to Louisiana. I have had the uh, pleasure of playing this course multiple times, so I know a little bit about this thing. Um, Look, it's not an overly, I'll put it this way. For me, yeah, it's hard. But for these guys, <laughs> like, like you know, for these guys, it's not going to be a huge test. It's a pretty, it's a pretty gettable course. There, now there is water that's going to be around, and you know, listen, it's built basically on a swamp. So I mean, like, you're going to have some water, different stuff like that. But Wes, I mean, overall, when we kind of look at at TPC Louisiana, it, it's a course where these pros, and especially in this format, that we're going to see some scoring here. Yeah, absolutely. It's a Pete Dye design, a little over 7,400 yards, par 72. A lot of bunkers on this course, though, 106 in all. That is third most on the tour. Five water hazards, as you mentioned, Matt, in play on several uh, on seven holes. Uh, uh, they redid the greens after 2019, uh, uh, changed from a, from a, to a Tiff Eagle Bermuda. Now it's overseeded with POA, so you are going to get a little POA and Bermuda here because it gets dormant with the weather. Uh, fairways relatively wide, about 35 yards on average. Uh, greens a little over 5,200 feet, uh, 12 on the stamp, so average speed. And you're right, this is going to be, I think, pretty good scoring conditions from these guys. Uh, you are going to have, I, I think, uh, in terms of uh, a lot of uh, proximity, and we'll get to that when we get to any of the modeling we did, uh, 200 plus yard shots. I think like 30% of those shots are going to be from 200 plus yards, but this is easy scoring, uh, especially now in this team format, by the way, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley, the defending champion won this at nine to one. They were 29 under 259. Uh, so that was the all time record here since they've done this format. I believe uh, last year was the fifth year that they did it. So relatively easy course for these pros so you got to think if you're in this team in this team format you got to be somewhere in the 20s i think to have a chance i was gonna make some i was gonna make some joke about how this is uh uh poor chase kepka he, he was he was always able to make a pga tour stop at this event back in the yeah, day right. but i actually forgot he was on lit i was feeling bad yeah. for the guy for now, a moment now it's alex no, now it's alex a, fitzpatrick yeah, he's got yeah. a bag alex. at live right now never mind i don't feel yeah. bad for him anymore yeah matt, matt <laughs> uh, big brother's gonna try to get alex's pga tour card which by the way you do get if if you win here you get an invite to the pga you don't get a master's invite because it's not you know a regular event regular stroke play event but you do get invites to the Century Tournament of Champions in Kapalua, the Players Championship. You get the two-year PGA Tour exemption. You get the full FedEx Cup points. So, you know, pretty big for Matt Fitzpatrick to try to get Alex on the tour. Alex, currently the younger brother, is playing on the Challenge Tour over in Europe. The uh, the rumor is about old Alex is uh, 
he's the exact opposite of of Matt. Like Matt has tracked every shot he's ever hit. He's like this crazy nerd. I guess Alex like lives off of Big Macs and like doesn't doesn't care about anything or whatever. So it ought to be great. Like there should be some interesting stuff going on. Oh wow, out okay. there with him. Yeah, like it, they're apparently nothing like each other at all. Like I guess they are complete complete different uh, personalities. So that's awesome. We'll see how that all all plays out. As Wes just mentioned, uh, Xander and Cantlay took it down. Last year, they are three to one right now at DraftKings to win this thing. And guys, it'd be hard for me to argue that number. I mean, you're you're getting two of the very best players teamed up in the world, and and they're going at this course that we said is going to be gettable. So I get it. Morikawa and Homa at nine to one. Sung J Keith Mitchell at twelve. Siwoo and Tom. You got the team Kim there at fourteen. Burns and Horschel at fourteen. Twenty to one, you get Justin Suh, Sahith Thagala, twenty-two at Taylor Montgomery, Kurt Kitayama, everybody else twenty-five or longer. We'll certainly talk about some of these teams as we get into our card because I, uh, I didn't go any of the short shots here. Whenever it came to an outright, I did try to tackle it a little bit different when we're going at some of these short shots. But first and foremost, we'll get to what we do each and every week about the stats that matter to us. And I will full on go ahead. Full disclosure for me: no modeling for me, Kelly. If you'll remember last year. I tried to do this whole deal where I took the models and then I blended them and I mm-hmm. added all this and did all the scores and all stuff like that. And that didn't do jack for me. So I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing it this year. It took me forever to get all of that done. And like whatever, it didn't do anything for me. So I'm not doing that this year. I just pulled up some stats that I think are important. It, didn't, it wasn't even really like a model for me yeah. as much as it was just like, I want to see where the different guys place in the stats that I like. And then I just kind of piecemealed stuff together did you full-on model this week or how did you go about it i would say half-assed like you it was Mm -hmm. it was a quick half-assed model i I, there's definitely you know specific stats i want to look at and see where guys um kind of rank and i'll I'll hit those here in a second but i think that that uh yeah you you know biggest like you can look at the odds board you don't need a model to tell you that once once you get past the first what four teams that you're gonna get at best, you're going to get one good player with one crappy player, right? Like that. Essentially, that's what you're dealing with here. And now you're going to gamble on can the crappy player play well enough to even out with what the good player is going to do, and you might actually be able to go win. Or, that's or your two basic, cra- or basic two breakout. crappy players. Or two crappy players. Really <laughs> <laughs> you do have players. a few of those well, in this one. A, and <laughs> yeah, an 80 team field. How the hell are you, the three of us, not on a team somewhere here? I, like, geez, I, man. I do want to see John Daly and David Duvall, though, on PGA Tour Live. <laughs> I, I think that they should show them because just, just to see it, because you don't see them in a lot of these events. And, uh, you know, one thing to add before we kind of go into our models is the fact that it's tough to do modeling because you have different uh, formats on each day. I think Thursday they go the best ball format, which is the four ball. And both players are playing as they normally would. You take the best score on the hole and that's what gets carded for the team. And then that is Thursday and Saturday Friday and Sunday are what are called foursomes that we're familiar with, with the Ryder cup and the president's cup alternate shot. So one guy drives off the tee, the next guy hits the second shot. The next guy is going to have the putt, assuming they reach a green and regulation. And then the next guy and so on and so forth. And the cut after Friday is 30 top 33. I believe it is the top 33 and ties advance out of here. So it really was hard to do model. Like looking at stats, mine were very, very general and not overly specific this week. Yeah, I think the other handicap to come into play for me that I did do, uh, I tried to look maybe at either uh, either foreign players or dudes that are boring. 
because uh, it's New Orleans and it's kind of a, mm, you know, yeah. fun tournament and a laid back tournament and a, hey, let's get together with one of my buddies. Like a lot of these guys like either played together, mm-hmm. you know, played together in college or live in the same place and play together all the time or whatever it might be. So there's some sort of connection to a lot of these teams. And, you know, you don't have the best round in round one. And maybe it's like, let's sit down, you know, let's get some and, hurricanes. And, 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 some and this course, and this course isn't very far. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently from bourbon street. What is it like 15, 20 yeah. minutes maybe? Oh yeah. It's right there. Yeah. It's I was right going to say re- reading on VEASAN.com, Wes Reynolds fine piece. I learned that it's 15 minutes away from bourbon street or yes. there. So, so uh, yes, I was trusting the local here. Maybe they could say, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit closer yeah. than that or a little bit farther. Let, let me tell you, it is, uh, it, it's, I have, uh, I've heard stories about buddies who have gone down to this tournament and have seen people that were actively in the tournament not uh, doing what you would want them to be doing if you had <laughs> bets on them down down there because again it's 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 not a it's not a full on off event but like you know hey look it's get together have some fun get with a buddy the pressure is not near what it is in any of these mm-hmm. other tournaments and all the different things like that and so that comes into play and and just you know that was kind of one of the the other things that oh. I did. Take I think into account. I, I think that's an added an added request then from us to the audience this week. Hit that yeah. lights like subscribe button and tweet at us if you see anybody <laughs> taking down shots on Bourbon Street or anything. Yeah, yeah. If anyone's down there, double fisted <laughs> hand grenades. Let us know. Like I mean, because like, we are going to have matchup markets that we can take advantage of. Even though I don't have any tournament matchups this week, Me I may neither. go round by round. Me neither. But if you see someone double fisted hand grenades, let us know. Let and us then know, we'll man. Yeah. yeah, we'll definitely. <laughs> Get after it. Uh, like I said, I did not, in fact, um, I did not, in fact, model this week. What I did do, I just went over to Rick's site, Rick Rungood's site. I just. Oh, thank God I for just, him this week. I just yeah. pulled up a bunch of scoring stats and just mm-hmm. arbitrarily put a, a percentage on them. Birdie or better percentage, birdie or better gained, yeah. opportunity percentage, opportunities gained, opportunities. He has he has a couple of other stats in there, like opportunities plus, which are like actually inside 10 feet as opposed to 10, 15 feet. So I just put like arbitrary yeah. percent, percentiles on all of those, ran them, did some other percentiles, ran those, did some other percentages, ran those, and then just kind of like looked at which teams were always in the mix when it came to, to all of that. And that's kind of the – that's the fundamental kind of, if you want to call it modeling or whatever that I <laughs> right. did this week with, with ever West. Did, did you run full on models or how did you go about it? Not really. I just kind of took like, you know, a, a few different stats and just look for context. Like I think score total strokes gained, I think, you know, at least gives you an overarching, you know, thing of how guys are playing. I did a little bit on approach. I think you do that pretty much every week, birdie or better. Like you use Matt, I did do some strokes gain par five as well, because I think you got to take advantage. Obviously, when you got to score low, you be, you better be getting fours or, or threes on those par fives. Proximity, I mentioned 30 percent of the approach shots are 200 or more. Proximity from 200 plus uh, is what I used. And, you know, of all the categories I looked at, which were very few and far between this week, of course, who was number one in every single one? It was Patrick Cantlay and Xander mm. Schauffele, by the way. So, you know, there's a reason why. Because we were when you were running down that odds board, Matt, I was like, okay, 
one, two, three, and four were kind of like matched up on several of these stats. It was Cantley Shoffley, and then it was Homakawa, Max Homakawa and Morikawa, Sunjay and Keefe, the, the Siwoo and Tom Kim. So it was a lot of those same guys, but you did have some people that were outliers on a few of these. And uh, I went down the board and played a couple of those. Yeah, Matt, I was I was uh, I was very similar to you. I, I used a lot of the same kind of stats that, that Wes just talked about. Uh, but I, look, I think this is with it being a team event. Um, this follows the same format a little bit in my mind of when we're attacking kind of alternate format tournaments or uh, or, or tournaments that you just know are going to be really, really low scoring conditions that you need you need to score on. Right. So it's yeah. it's heavy. It's heavier on the par fives than I would even normally go. It's heavier on the birdie and better and opportunities gain and stuff like that. Uh, that we look at often. And so it's, it's way heavier than that. So did I, did I kind of put together a model? Sure. Sort of. Does it actually kind of turn into a model? Thanks to, thanks to Rick Gaiman actually putting these teams together over on Rick Good. Then yeah, yeah I, I guess it turns into yeah, that, a model. That, 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 yeah. was very bene- that was very beneficial this week because I ended up on a couple of them just adding up numbers and kind of scrolling mm-hmm. through, and I'm like, I did a lot more work than I did. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, I mean, Wes, it, that's what I was doing. Yeah. You look exactly. at the top of the odds board, right, and, and, and Xander Cantlay and then Maura Kalahoma. So you have, you've got four of the top 13 players in the world, you know, that are paired up as teams. So – the reason I just went with just basically all scoring stats is at the end of the day, these short, short odds attached to those two teams are, are justified. They are literally, it's yeah. literally, you've paired up four of the, now remember when we're talking like these best, the, the best ball rounds, I mean, you are getting two shots at every one of these holes and it's four of the top 13 players in the world. Right. I mean, right. it's like, it's like, it's doubly hard to, for these other guys that are not as good as them to actually be able to, to go in and, and do anything because you only have to have one of those guys win these holes. Right. And like, mm-hmm. it's going to happen a ton between Xander and Cantlay and Morikawa and Homa. So I just went with other scoring. I just, heavy scores and if they happen to run hot maybe i get lucky if they they, but they just as likely to miss the cut probably and that's kind of how i went uh, about all of and it's priced into that shoffley and cantley of course are regular partners on Ryder cup Mm -hmm. and president's cup so you know some of those some of those teams and and the two kims as well from the president's cup so you're getting a lot of that all priced in there there this is a justifiable favorite even though I don't know if any of us really bet them. I think you bet them probably as like a top five or something like that. So the the one question I guess I'll I'll have for both of you, but Wes, since you just brought that up about those two having the history together, that the only, not that I'm, not that I'm looking to bet either of these two teams. The only thing that struck me as a little odd is I don't really know that I'd make Morikawa and Homa's outright number three times bigger than what, Xander and Cantlay's is right. Yeah, because I think you got to look at recent form, and there's some recency bias there too. Because Cantlay, you know, we mentioned Fitz and Spieth, but Cantlay was third. He was in that final group. Uh, Xander Shoffley ended up finishing outright fourth. So it's like, okay, you know, that these guys, even if they weren't the defending champions, probably would be favored anyway. Uh, Morikawa has not been quite on his form. He was kind of a disappointment last week. But still, these guys, you have a lot of themes with these teams. And Matt mentioned it earlier, guys that played at college together. This is Team Cal Golden Golden Bears. I don't know if they were there at the same time, but Homa and Morikawa are both Cal alums. Uh, So you, you got guys that play there. There's guys that live in the same place. Like, 
you know, I have a team that both lives in St. Simons Island, mm-hmm. Georgia. So you kind of have different team themes, uh, Kitayama and Montgomery, both at UNLV. So yeah, you, you have this like comfort and probably a lot of these guys practice with each other right. when they're not, you know, traveling to events. So you've got some really bizarre teams and then you got some teams that like, okay, they make sense. So we will get to our betting card here momentarily, but before we do that, we have to do this each and every podcast. We're going to head around the world uh, with Wes Reynolds. We are going to Japan, by the way. And uh, uh, one thing I do want to mention, I'll have a, a piece up at VEASAN.com on Wednesday. I just didn't have time to do it yet. Chevron Championship, by the way, is the first LPGA major this week. We are not at Mission Hills anymore in California where they had the old Nabisco dinosaur. It's a Chevron Championship. So it's in the Woodlands, Texas, a suburb of Houston on a Jack Nicholas course. So this is a new course for that event this year because of sponsor considerations. So we'll go to Japan, uh, DP World Tour is back. The ISPS hand to championship in Japan. It was supposed to be on the tour schedule last year, but because of COVID-19 restrictions, it was only a Japan golf tour event. So now you have a lot of those guys that played that last year, plus the European tour regulars like Rasmus Hoygaard is here. Christian Bezadenhut is here and he's here because, you know, same with Lucas Herbert. They're trying to win an event and get those OWGR points because it's coming up where you got to get qualified for majors like uh, uh, Herbert's in the PGA, but he's not in either open field, either the Open Championship or the U.S. Open. Uh, Same with Bez. Uh, He's trying to get in the PGA. So you're trying to get those world ranking points that you would get for winning a DP World Tour event. So drop in class for a few of these guys. And then you got the the regulars, Antoine Rosner and uh, Jordan Smith, Robert McIntyre in this, and then a lot of Japanese players. So I don't know if I'm going to regret doing this on this. By the way, uh, this is a 7039 par 70. It's a Nicholas design. They played this on the Japan tour last year. Uh, actually, the winner of this, I believe, was uh, Yuto Katsur Abagawa. Minus go. 24 last year. I think I got that right. Yeah. I had to slow it down a little bit. But My, uh, favorite, my yeah. favorite guy on that tour. Yes. Me too. Yes. 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 And, 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 and I, by the way, I may pay for this, but I went heavy Japan here uh, because I did not necessarily go with the normal Europe, deep European DP World Tour mainstays, like I mentioned earlier. So I went heavy Japan here. Uh, one guy that does play on the DP pretty regularly, though, is Rikuya Hushino at 25 to 1. He's won six times on the Japan Tour since 2018. He was uh, there. Was two events here, by the way, last year. This event, and then another event that that they played uh, later in October. Uh, trying to remember the title of that event, the Hiwa PGM Championship. And Hoshino was second and first here last year on this course. Uh, this Nicholas design. So. Average scoring round is 64.88. So I know it's a low price at 25 to one because this is a step up in class, better field with a lot of the DP World Tour regulars. But hey, if a guy's averaging 65 for a round here, I'm going to play him. So 25 to one on Hishino, uh, 35 to one on Keita Nakajima, top 10 in his last three starts on the Japan Tour, 36 hole leader on this course last fall before he finished fifth. And then a guy I played, and uh, he's gotten a couple top 20s for me this year on the DP. Kazuki Higa at 40-1, to six-time Japan Golf Tour winner. Played stateside, was in the Valero, and was also in the Masters. Now missed the cut in both. However, before that, he was fourth in his last DP start in India. Dropping class, comfortable at home. Uh, 
this is a guy that I think can really play, and he's played pretty well in DP World Tour events, was 10th in the BMW International last year, 11th in Thailand, 4th in India, so I think he could go well here. And then another J- Japanese player, they're all Japanese players, by the way, this week, so, uh, you know, feast or famine, I guess. Uh, Masahiro Kawamura, 60-1, to 17th in India in February, and then had a runner-up in Kenya, uh, back in March uh, behind Jorge Campillo. So that was his last start a month ago. 43 birdies over those two starts. So this is a guy that can score very low. I mentioned 24 under was the winning score of this event. I think around the same is probably in order here. Uh, Shugo Imihara at 125 to 1. Actually just won three weeks ago. Won the token homemade cup beating Hoshino, who I played at 25 to 1 by two shots. So you've got a lot of Japanese players with a couple former number one amateurs in this as well. Takumi Kanaya, uh, Taiga Simikawa, who won last week, uh, who's about 40 to one. But I, I only, I went with five here just for interest in all Japanese players. Guys, when we come back, we will give you our full breakdown here. Uh, perfect time for you to go down, give us a little rating, subscribe, rate, review, all the different things like that. We do appreciate all of that, but we will give you all of our bets in our account when we come back in one second. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. Long shots. Matt, Kelly, Wes. Going to run through our betting card. Now, guys, I don't know how you, because again, we don't, we don't talk beforehand because we don't want to bias each other before we get on here. Now, we might talk each other into a play as we get going throughout the course of a podcast, but we don't want to talk beforehand because we don't want to have any bias coming in. So I don't know exactly how you guys went about everything. I, I this week have a pretty short card. I might have one addition before this thing kicks off. I also have about one-fifth of the money in play that I normally have in play on a week-to-week basis because, again, this is a very this is a very hard event to handicap for the way that we like to handicap events, and then it's also very, uh, very tough for me to look at these other teams and think like, "Hey, look, are they really going to like? What do they have to do to beat a Cantlay and Shoffley? Uh, to beat a you know to beat a Homa and Morikawa? Like, wh- what do they really have to do? Even a uh, throw a Burns and Horschel in there, even though." You know, Horschel's been playing like crap. Like, what do those guys have to do? And it's just very tough for me to get there on a lot of these teams. So that's just kind of my spiel as to how I went about everything this week. First one on my card that did make it was Kurt Kitayama and Taylor Montgomery. And this was one of those things where, like I said, I threw together a bunch of those scoring statistics and I varied the weight 
three different times. I varied the rounds that I looked at three different times. And no matter what I did, this team continued to be inside the top 10. Now, listen, this is a very score heavy model. It's a high variance model. And I am okay with that because again, I need a very high variance type of golfer and variance high, a very high variance type of team to knock off these guys at the top of the odds board. So Kirk Kitayama, Taylor Moore was the first one on the card for, for me this week. We know Kitayama has the potential to go out there and really light things up. We've seen Montgomery have some success as well. And we have also seen both these guys completely fall flat. Wes, you and I talked at least a tad bit about these guys yesterday. Don't know if you ended up putting them on your card or not, but it was, as I ran these numbers, it did kind of play out what we were thinking. High variance, high scoring could miss the cut though, when it comes down to it. Yeah, they did make my card, by the way. Uh, team UNLV here, both former UNLV uh, Rebels on the golf team. Montgomery, just a really good putter. Third mm-hmm. best so far on the PGA Tour to the season. Fifth and birdie or better percentage. Kitayama, I think the ball striking actually can put Montgomery in really good position because Kitayama can be a little shaky with the putter, even though he made the big one at the Honda to get his first win uh, about a month and a half ago. But I think this is a team that can make a lot of birdies, and mm-hmm. that's what you have to do here. So I have them at 25 as well. Why don't you go ahead and run us through uh, the rest of your card while we're at it? Okay. Uh, the shortest I played, and I think they're about third or fourth on the odds board. I did play Sunjay M and Keith Mitchell, 13 to one. Uh, M was 14th here last year with Benny on. I think he upgrades with uh, with Keith Mitchell, who, by the way, finished fourth here and kind of carried Brant Snedeker. And Brant Snedeker, you know, had been battling injuries and not really playing his full time on the tour. Uh, we carried him to a fourth year in 2021, but these two guys, both of them have contended and been in the mix for victories this season, you know, at a couple different occasions, just has fallen short, but, uh, Sunjay and Keith, I thought were fair, uh, 13 to one. Uh, so, and, and also, you know, a lot of these guys you can play in placement markets. So if you want to play those guys for a top 10, I believe their price is like, even money, maybe a little bit better as a top 10. So I'll probably do that as well. Uh, Wyndham Clark and Bo Hosler at 28 to one. Wyndham Clark was top 10 last year here with Cameron Tringali. I think he gets an upgrade, at least on the greens with Bo Hosler, because Bo Hosler, pretty darn good putter, pretty good around the green. Clark, you know, we often see him, you know, very high on distance and strokes gained off the tee, but the approach play has actually been a little bit better this season. He's got four top tens in the last 13 events. So Clark and Hosler at 28. Uh, I was late to the party on this, so I don't have as good of a number, but Chorborn and Nikolai Hoygaard, 46 to one. Uh, Hoygaard just accepted that temporary membership, that special membership on the PGA Tour due to the fact that I think he was, uh, I think he was runner up down there in the Corrales Punicana or one of those events, but has been playing very well. Meanwhile, Olison, who I got earlier this year, 22 to one at the Thailand Classic, uh, He's two wins in less than a year. I think he's kind of back. Remember, he got suspended at that plane incident, had to go to trial and all and all of that. So he seems like he's back. And I still think he has really good golf in him. So Olsen and Hoygaard, uh, uh, the uh, team Denmark, if you will, in this one. And then one more I did play. Uh, I mentioned St. Simon's Island earlier. Well, two residents, Davis Thompson and Will Gordon at 60 to one. Very good with the driver. Very good with the long irons, particularly from 200 plus. Uh, no matchups this week. I probably will play 
some of like the chalky teams. Like I'll probably play a Cantlay Shoffley top five. Mm. I'd rather do that than bet less than three to one for them to win. Uh, Burns Horschel, I'll likely have as a top 20 and, and all these guys I played. And another one that kind of just missed my card were the two uh, Team Canada, Nick Taylor, Adam Hadwin. I think that they could play very well here. I'll probably have like Homakawa or the two Kims in a mm-hmm. top 10 at some point. Placement markets will be up later tonight. Kelly Bidlin, where is your card looking, my friend? Yeah, you talked about it at the beginning, Matt. This is usually an event for me. I pick a, I pick a couple teams just basically in the outright market and see if it makes something of a so, mm-hmm. something of, uh, comes comes through for me that week. Otherwise, this is basically a pa- pass on event for me. I just think it's so hard to handicap these teams. Yeah, um, these are smaller increments too. I think I don't know if you guys are doing the same. I'm betting yeah. smaller increments yeah. on this oh, yeah. event. Yeah, definitely. Um, Hadwin and Taylor is definitely one uh, that I, I actually haven't bet anything yet. I'll be making these, though. Uh, Hadwin and Taylor is the one of the ones I have written down. And Wyndham Clark and Bo, Bo Hossler was the other one I have written down. So I guess I'm matched up on two with Wes. Um, and frankly, those are the only two that I have kind of thought through so far. Nick Taylor, uh, yeah, playing a little bit better than than you, you might think, just looking results-based-wise. And then I thought the same thing. Exactly how you broke it down, Wes, with Wyndham Clark and and Bo Hossler. I'm like, we've been we've been betting a lot of Wyndham Clark uh, this year, or at least I have. And Matt, Matt I know you have been too, mm-hmm. uh, mainly in finishing pos- position markets and stuff like that. But man, this guy's been great off the tee and on approach. It's just, can he get it done on the greens and around the green? And I think that is where Bo Hossler can maybe help him out. So I don't know if that line of thinking will pan out. I don't really love the idea of playing them at 28-ish to one with like a little bit longer number there too. But Yeah, yeah, that is, did seem kind of short. But this then is when the you event. look into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the event. So, yeah, I, th- those are the only two I've got written down right now. I did initially when I kind of pulled out, just saw the card. I, I did circle Kitayama Montgomery. So maybe I'll end up getting on that one. But right now for me, it's just those two teams, Hadwin Taylor and then Clark and Hassler. So I mentioned Kitayama and Taylor Moore. So that is the first one on my card. The second one that made my card is Victor Perez and Thomas Dietrich. Um, Montgomery. These not, not are um, the the. The Victor Perez, Thomas Dietrich team, again, like I said, continued to pop over and over and over again. And you kind of look, anybody that's bet Thomas Dietrich or Victor Perez, you kind of know what you're getting in all of that. But we also have a team with a couple of guys that have had some some success. And, and listen, combined in this field, they're kind of inside the top five in a bunch of those just scoring categories. And again, like they're not great on some of the other stuff, but... Uh, if, if, if I'm able to get one of those guys running hot and maybe if both of them can at least play at least a, bu- a little bit above average, I think 50 to one is pretty fair on that team. The other team was strictly a numbers play. And it was, like I said, I, I didn't really model, but this, this weird team kept popping up in this thing over and over and over again. And, um, and it is like, it is Ben Griffin and Ryan Gerard. <laughs> yeah. Like did y'all Ryan Gerard, but. Getting- Ryan Gerard, sorry to interrupt, by the way, also with Nikolai Hoygaard, he gets that special PGA Tour temporary uh, exemption now where he gets pretty much unlimited events, even though he's not a full member. So that takes a lot of pressure off those guys. I think this makes a lot of sense. Please continue, Matt. Yeah, it was like, so you go in and you look like, and as a team, and again, I'm looking for highly volatile players, but like this as a team, they're second in birdie better percentage as a team. They're first in opportunities gained as a team. Like it's very weird, right? Like, but 
I, I was a slave to, uh, I, I didn't model, but I was a slave to just the, them finishing highly in all of these like scoring categories. Look, they might miss the cut. They're probably likely to miss the cut. But if for whatever reason, they're, they're, out, they're actually out there putting themselves in positions to make 10 foot putts and 15, maybe they run hot. Maybe they put themselves in a position where I can make some, you know, I can hedge off on a Sunday or something like that and make some money. So uh, I do have Griffin and Gerard. The only other one that's in the account right now, and this was the one that kind of surprised me the most as I saw their names pop up and then I dug in a little bit further. Sam Saunders and Eric Cole as a team, <laughs> uh, yeah. which you can find at like a hundred and like I here in Vegas, we get a better number. Like I got a 185 to one, but you can still find it like 150, 160 to one on the rest of country sites. But you go in and you start looking. I'm like, why in the hell is this team like, Right. Last hundred rounds in like this one thing that I'm right. They're like the seventh overall team when it comes to all this. And you go and you dig a little bit further and you start to see and you're like, oh, like Sam Saunders has three top tens in his last five on the Corn Ferry Tour and stuff like that. And like Eric Cole was a guy, you know, we mentioned on this pod back, you know, a, a month ago and actually ended up losing, you know, competed in the tournament, ended up losing in a it's playoff. A stuff like, so he's proven that he can actually go out there and play with the big boys as well. And it was more of a, hey, look, they're they're way higher in all of these scoring categories than the odds dictate. And look, they're just as likely to miss the cut as they are to contend. But boy, at triple digits for a for a team that consistently is inside the top five and all of these like birdie or better opportunities gain, opportunities gain plus, all this, you know, birdie or better percentage, stuff like that. I just had to pull the trigger on that one. So I did go that direction. And the way that I played the shorties guys, and this could end up biting me in the ass, but this is kind of how I went about it. I just played a first round leader on Xander Cantlay, Sung J Mitchell, and Burns Horschel. It was like <laughs> it was like 12 to 1, 22 to 1, and 26 to 1. It is I it is, it seems like it's very likely to me that one of those three teams is going to be the first round leader. Like it I just mean, like I, I, like in this format where it's best ball, like you have like four, like six of the better players in this field and like you take the best score of the hole with these guys going at it. So Cantlay and Xander at 12 to one Sung Jay and Mitchell at, uh, you know, 20, what was it? 22 to one Horschel and Burns at 26 to one Hell, They might play Bur like Burns shoots like 64s, like weirdly all the time. Like they might only have to play like two of Billy Horschel's balls for them to have like the low round. If Burns comes out and just lights it up. And so, um, that's how I played the shorties this week. I don't know if that's the best way to go about it, but that's the way that I, I wanted some exposure to those teams. And that's how mm -hmm. I decided to do it. I was looking at that market kind of before we started and, and kind of had the same, same thought, Matt. So yeah, I might end up doing the same thing. Too. I, I'm, I'm with, I just think the percentage percentage chance of one of those top teams winning this thing is so high, but then even after the first round, yeah. even like for them not to be there, after that first round, I'm with you. I, I think I'll end up probably sprinkling on almost all those top teams. I think it's a good call. They, that going back to the Saunders Cole thing. I mean, Wes, you probably know about this better than me, but that I mean, this is a, it's a crazy story because those guys are like BFFs forever, yeah, right? Yeah. Played played together at Bay Hill, right? And that's where they like grew up playing together. And Cole used to caddy for him, right? Wasn't, yeah. Wasn't that the big yeah. story at the Honda when he was? Yeah, because Saunders is uh, Arnold Palmer's grandson, right. of course, yeah. and then. Uh, Cole's father also played, uh, Bobby Cole played on the PGA Tour. His mother, Laura Ball, was an LPGA Tour player. So they grew up in this game with relatives that obviously had success. And and when I'm looking at Cole, and, and Matt and I were both on him at the Honda Classic where he lost in the playoff to uh, Chris Kirk, 
one more like good finish for him and he's gonna really lock in. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got PGA tour status now, but you know, off the corn ferry, you can only get into so many events. So he'll lock up the FedEx Cup if he gets like another like top five somewhere down the line over the next couple months. So you gotta think and then Sam Saunders probably playing for full status, doesn't get in all the events, uh, not fully exempt. So yeah, there's different motivations here. And that's what's interesting, and that's what makes them attractive, even though if you go back kind of to recent history, it's been very chalky. Cantlay and Shoffley mm-hmm. were 9-1. to one. Leishman and Smith were 12-1 to one in that playoff over Schwartzel and Neustazen. Ryan Palmer, John Rahm were 16-1 to one back in 2019. The first two years, because it was a new format, it was long shot. Jonas Blixt and Cameron Smith at 100-1, to one, and Horschel and Piercy at 40-1, to one. so... It can happen. I mean, I know it's been chalky the last three years, but it can happen. You get one of these guys down the board, especially they're motivated like, okay, I have few opportunities to get PGA Tour wins because there's so many damn designated or elevated events, whatever you want to call them. So I got to take advantage. So like that's what makes a team like like San or Saunders rather than Cole very attractive. So for me, guys, the only ad that I'm looking at and the number would have to drift and I thought we'd get a better number considering how poorly Billy Horschel has been playing this year. Like he has just been absolute dog shit. But like if it drifts between now and tee off on Thursday, I might come in on Burns Horschel. Look, like I just mentioned, Burns can go out in any given round and shoot low 60s. Like like low 60s. And Horschel would basically only have to contribute just a tad. And weirdly enough, Wes, as you well know, uh, you can go to Wes's article on VEASAN.com, but like, there, if you believe in any sort of course history stuff and, and success at this tournament, there aren't a ton of names that come to the top, but Billy Horschel is actually yeah. has like consistent like success at this tournament on this. He's course. got two wins here, yeah, as an individual and with Piercy, and the fact they were fourth uh, in 2021 and second in. Uh, uh, 2022. So this is their number is indicative indicative. I think of what you're saying, Matt, that Horschel just has not been playing very well. Yeah, I would love to see this drift closer to 20. And if I can get it closer to 20 by the time this thing goes off, then I'll probably come in on them. Um, but I don't know if it'll get there or not. I think it's just a little short with the form that Horschel is, is showing right now. But like I said, in this format, he might not have to contribute all that much. Right. I mean, like that's right. the best part about this, this, this deal is like, if both guys birdie, it's kind of a waste, right? But it's like, it's like you just need like your partner to birdie a hole that you don't, right? I mean, it's like that's kind of one of those deals. So Horschel might not even have to contribute all that much. If he can just birdie a couple holes that Burns doesn't, then that's like, you know, can get them right in the mix with with all of this. So uh that's the other team that I'm at least eyeballing. Don't know if they'll make the card or not, but did at least want to throw it out there that they they certainly, they certainly have all the makings of what I'm looking for. It's just I don't like the number that's attached to them right now. Yeah, and the way I'm probably going to play them is like a, as a top 20, yeah. I think. Uh, I think with placement markets, because it is the low 33 I mentioned in ties that make the cut. So that might be a way to get exposure to some of the chalky teams or do what Matt did in terms of that FRL bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm I'm just sitting here stewing over this thought even more, Matt. But I I I think I'm gonna have more money invested in the first round leader market than I actually have. In the, yeah, I think that's I'm just I'm gonna swing at first round leader and have a couple of my little outright bets, and that's it. I I just 
I think those top three teams are the way to go. I bet that I will bet Shoffley can't lay more Calhoma in Mitchell as long as I can shop around and find decent numbers on him and call it a day on first round leader. And that's where I'm sinking most of my money into. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm probably the most, uh, you know, even though I usually have the bigger volume, I'm usually because I have that, I'm always so apprehensive to get in that first round leader market. Would have won last week. Uh, Aaron Rye was on my card and <laughs> yeah. I didn't bet it. And people were giving me credit. I was like, no, I didn't bet it. There were a couple others that did. I know. I think John Hazelbauer did. Uh, uh, at, at I think it's at PGA Tout on Twitter uh, is his handle. John does a really good job, really good write-ups. But uh, I wish I would have done that. But because I have so much invested, like free tournament, I and maybe that's something I got to change a little bit with my <laughs> handicapping and put like 10th or 0.2 units on first round leaders. It's a conversation we could probably have on another pod. It's one right. of those, like Wes, I've ended up playing it almost at almost every tournament, but it's one of those. I always compare it to the side bet at the blackjack table where it's one of those, like, <laughs> does it make sense to play over a long period of time? No, it doesn't. It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. The math on it does not check out, but guess what? When you hit it once, you're like, well, I'm going to keep playing this thing. It's, yeah. it's paid yeah. forever. And then you hit it a couple more times, and you're like, oh, well, now I'm just invested. Now I'm pot, inve- pot invested for the rest of my life, basically, of, play- of playing first-round leaders. And uh, yeah, that would that's what I would have said last year when I was, like, randomly hitting them. But I'll tell you, having hit, what, I think I hit one, one by itself this year and then chopped on two others. Okay, I've done that this year. Meanwhile, I've only hit one outright bet, and I've lost – three to John Rom by himself where I've had yeah. the second place guy in three different events already this season where John <laughs> Rom has won. So actually, no, I think now betting the first round leader strategy for me is actually more of an intelligent strategy than me just throwing dumb money away. at it. I like it guys. We are again, like we said, just if there's any takeaway from this, all of our all of our actual dollar output is much lower for this tournament than than it is for you know any typical tournament that we're going to be handicapping and stuff like unit sizing smaller complete output is going to be smaller so don't don't go wild in this one because again like the win equity at the top is is really high for a reason and you know one of these teams just is going to have to play perfectly to take down one of those top teams and so just keep that in mind as we as we go into all this and don't bet John Daly and David Duvall, whatever, no. you do. whatever <laughs> no. you do, don't, and don't, if you don't look, do that. I think this is always one of those weeks too, Matt, where it's like, Hey, it's okay to take a break during the golf season. Sure. It's a grind. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a grind. Like in, and if it's, there's two ways to look at it. If you've been winning, Hey man, take a break, sit back and, ca- <laughs> and, and count that money. You've been winning the past, you know, past few months, take a break, crack open some beers, watch some NBA and NHL, whatever, yeah. call it a weekend. Or if you're a determined golf better and things haven't been going your way, use this time to refine your processes and kind of how you evaluate tournaments week in and week out, because you usually don't get a little break to ever do that during the season, uh, at least an extended break. So that's kind of how I look at some of these tournaments too. The only, the, the, the only tournament of the year in which I am okay I like with zero ROI, like, like I am fully aware. Like I'm fully, I understand if I come out of this with, not a single return on I I'm okay with it. Cause it's just, you know, th- this is how you play this tournament, you know, it's yep. just, it is what it is. So wait, okay. Uh, real, real quick. Yeah, I know we're closing yeah. out real quick though. We have, we have the Mexico event next week, right? Yes. 
Is that uh, do we know of any other big names in the John Rom is John going? Rom. John Rom might be minus money for the first. This time. This was going to be my question. Yeah, what is yeah. our prediction for what the opening odds are on John Rom? He 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 plus one fifty. No, he legit might be like like minus one ten or something or whatever to win it. Because last year it was him and nobody else, and he was like three to one. Yeah, and like I mean, this year he's just been and he's superhuman better. now. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 and he's superhuman now. Yeah, so there's that to take. Into I cannot it. wait to yeah. see those numbers. That's yeah. what I'm looking forward to most in golf this weekend. It's Sunday <laughs> night when they get posted. <laughs> Guys, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. If we have any additional thoughts, we can throw you know them out there on Twitter. I don't know if I'm going to make any ads. If I do, I'll certainly put it on the Twitter machine. You can go find all of our plays over on Beeson.com. You can sign up for. Uh, so a trial subscription if you're not already a subscriber it's only 9.99 american it's like 13.50 canadian if you want to get in on that and so you can uh you can take that in and you know get everything we do for a limited time and you can see if you want to become a a long-term subscriber so be sure and take advantage of that as well all of the plays will be listed over there not only us three but everybody else on the network that's going to be playing into this golf tournament as well for kelly for wes i'm matt good luck at the zurich at Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.